You're listening to the Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. The bottom line is that the gospel changes everything. Yeah. We're not just talking about a behavior shift or something that we go through the motions, but we're talking about a total transformation. Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. I'm Taylor, continuing our series looking at the book of Romans called Unashamed. And I'm joined by two special guests and friends. First, we're joined by lead pastor, Jose Abaroa. Hey, good morning, Jose. Taylor. Good morning. And we're joined by worship pastor, Joel Hernandez. Joel, hey, thanks for going? being here. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited. Oh, excited as well. We're unpacking chapter six. Jose, I'd love to give you your thoughts as you dove into this chapter, the preparation ahead of time. Yeah, so we're making the shifts we've talked about, how we have been justified by what Jesus has done for us. He's declared us not guilty. And now we're looking at our sanctification, the work of the Spirit in us to become, to make us uh, a little bit more like Jesus. And that is a process that we will continue until the day that we meet Jesus face to face again. So what immediately popped out to me was um, we're talking about being joined together. We're talking about being set free from sin, being used as instruments for God's glory. And um, we're, we're no longer slaves to sin, but to God. So those were my points. And the bottom line is that the gospel changes everything. Yeah. We're not just talking about a behavior shift or something that we go through the motions, but we're talking about a total transformation, which is, we'll, we'll talk more about that, Romans 12 and other places. But Paul really makes it clear, hey, this is, this is a complete life change, and it starts talking about baptism. So really cool, heavy, awesome, wonderful stuff here. Let's start talking first about uh, this series called Unashamed. And you've mentioned the theme verse every single week, just being unashamed of the gospel. And, and how does that fit into just this week, this chapter, chapter six here? And what's so significant have y'all seen just in that, in that yeah, chapter? Yeah, so for me, oh, let's just talk about baptism. That was really the moment, the turning point for me. So I had been coming to church. Um, I grew up going to church but uh, now I was choosing to go to church and living life in community. And I, I struggled with baptism for a while. And I do think that there's a direct correlation between, uh, well, my life, but overall, when we choose to take that step of obedience in response to what God's done for us in baptism, where, where you really become unashamed of your faith. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live, I live um, by faith in, in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, Galatians 2.20. So that, that was the game changer for me. When I was baptized, there was a before and there was an after. That's awesome. Uh, speaking of, I have, I'm just going to share my baptism story because I, I was been in the church my whole life. I was seven when I accepted Jesus into my heart, and I remember um, it was my dad was the pastor of the church that we were at, and it was the time to go into baptism. And I was eight years old, <laughs> and I was the youngest of my uh, of my three siblings, and they were both getting baptized. And my dad was like asking me the question, like, do you? Do you know what this means? And I just remember being like almost righteously angry, like, yes, I know what I'm doing. I want to be baptized. And so they asked me all these questions. And I was like, I know that I have Jesus in my heart and I know that I want to live for Jesus. So yes, I want to make this public declaration. Um, and so that was my baptism story. I just remember being like, yes, I want to do this at eight years old. Um, so it's cool. 
That's really cool. That's awesome. That really is. Uh, what about for someone that maybe just, you, you touched on baptism. We've talked about it before, just the uh, outward expression of an inward reality. But I thought about some of the parents that may be in the room that are having conversations with their kids about yeah. baptism. What? How would you coach maybe parents that are in those shoes talking to their kids, uh, maybe at a young age, what baptism is and when do they feel like it's the right decision? Yeah, so this uh, idea of being joined together with God is important because God's inviting us into his death and he's inviting us into his resurrection. So I said it um, after the gathering when we celebrated a baptism this last Sunday that uh, we go underwater and we can't live underwater. We can't breathe underwater. And so it does symbolize our death. Uh, We're dying to our own agenda, our own individual focus. We're saying that we're not living for us anymore. Uh, We are living for the one who actually brought us from death to life. And there's a washing there. So so God washes our sins. He forgives us and he, he promises a new life starting now and unto forever. So uh, Joel, I love your story because I was 18, mm-hmm. you were eight. Mm-hmm. Now I have little kids yeah. where, where we're having those conversations. And the other thing that I'd say is, uh, Take it slow. Uh, there, there's an urgency in the sense that it's our role as parents to disciple our kids, but there's also no, you know, we, we don't want them to feel obligated to do this. We truly want them to individually respond to Jesus. Yeah. And uh, I think the Holy Spirit has a way of showing each parent when. And so uh, here at, at Cyprus, that's that's what we do. We, we come alongside you and help you. So I would also say, reach out to Scarlett, talk to our kids yeah. pastor and, um, you know, have those conversations with her. I love that, Jose, because even the little part of my story is what I remember about that is the fact that I had the freedom to be able to make that decision. It wasn't like nothing was being forced on me or anything like that. It was like, I remember consciously saying, this is a decision that I want to make. So that's really cool. I love that advice. That's good. That's good. Second part here and how the gospel changes everything. Jose, you had set free from the power of sin. Each one of these has kind of a personal application question. You ask, how am I living in light of God's costly grace? We even touched on this last week, but for those that are maybe just revisiting this for the first time here, um, what does it look like practically to live freely? Because I know that's something mm-hmm. that we use in the church a lot and we want that for everyone, but but what does that actually look like? And maybe what does the opposite look like on a practical basis? Yeah, so if I took cheap and costly. I'm going to say this while I think about your question, because that's really, that's a really good question. It's a lot to chew on. Uh, it is. <laughs> cheap is no one wants to buy anything cheap. No one wants to be cheap, right? And and so the idea that we can sometimes respond or live out a cheap faith is something to, to really look internally and ask yourself, um, is my posture towards God, you know, just really thin? Uh, am I surface level, going to church, doing the thing, or um, am, am I really contemplating the cost that he paid for me? I would say you live freely to answer your question when you've really counted the cost that Jesus paid for you. So when we take time to think about the weight of our sin that we no longer carry yeah. because of the gospel, that that does bring about freedom. That does bring about um, th- this new life that God wants us to, to start walking in. 
Yeah, I think I think we both said this at some point in the service on Sunday, Jose, where it's like living in that reality that Jesus was a real man. He was fully God, fully man. And he actually went through the stuff that we talk about. And I think that's where it starts to become really real to me is growing up in the church. Sometimes it's easy to forget that and just, oh, yes, that's what we've heard our whole life. But then you start to sit in it and think about it. Yes, this really happened. Someone really paid the price for all of our sins, and that just gets really weighty, but also so freeing. But that's where the freedom comes from, realizing that Jesus did do that for us in his love. What would be ways you see the opposite of freedom, just on a practical level, as far as uh, for someone, maybe red flags or warning signs? Yeah, for me, it's um, when when I start allowing anxiety, worry, um, you know, concerns for things that that aren't really what God has has told me to to pay attention to that that's when I start noticing you know I'm I'm not I'm not thinking about the gospel I'm not thinking about what Jesus did for me you know I'm I'm mm-hmm. starting to lose that uh wonder that awe that worship that I have so one thing that I do is um, man, Sunday morning is so powerful when we worship together. Um, the, the, all the voices in the room, I mean, it, it, it emphasizes that what we are doing is not only real, but we're doing it together. Yeah. And so personally, I'll put on my headphones and, and I'll worship. If I'm at home, I'll sit at the piano and I'll uh, just start playing. And, and that compels my heart. That is, we'll talk about this in chapter eight, you know, this struggle and this tension between the flesh yeah. and the spirit. Um, it, it, it almost like kickstarts my uh, soul to, to start worshiping. Mm-hmm. Can you repeat that one more time? <laughs> the opposite of living free as far as what does it look like on a practical, practical sure. level? I think, I just think of the opposite of the fruits of the spirit. Like whenever I stop operating in the fruits of the spirit, I'm like, that's when I need to check my heart, check my mind. Okay, what's going on um, with me personally? And then really in those moments, surrendering back to God and saying, all right, God, I'm realizing this pattern. And that, that for me is practically what that looks like usually. Yeah, well, that's really good. And not only the, the grace that we have being set free from sin, but also we, we've been given a purpose that God has a design for us. That goes into that third part here of, we have a new purpose as instruments for God's glory. And Jose, I liked what you said, just the example, the analogy of instrument, how you can unpack that in a lot of different ways, but yeah. practically what, what does that look like? What does it look like to be an instrument of God? And as far as not only in our workplace, as parents, as friends and family, just all aspects of our lives, how do we continually uh, serve as instruments of God? Yeah, I think the important part that stood out to me talking about being instruments on, in the message was that, there's two ways to look at it. One, it's my individual life. And then there's the, I'm a a small part of a greater whole. So I'm an instrument in a greater piece. So thinking about a symphony or an orchestra or a band, one instrument has a role to play, has a part to play, um, but alone it it sounds empty. Um, and, And so anyway, following that, we each have a part to play in the greater whole. And God wants to use us as an instrument for his glory. And uh, that's that's really good news. And that does change everything. It changes our mindset from, I have to create the part, I have to play it to the best of my ability, to God's, giving me, God's given me a part. God's given me an assignment and uh, he's given me a part to play. So I just wanna worship and honor him um, as I do it. Yeah, and I think for encouragement for all of us is to step into whatever 
role God's calling us yeah. to be in is whatever instrument, whatever part we're playing in the band. To your point, Jose, let's let's step into it wholeheartedly because that's when we see cool things happen when we're yeah. all being used. And I know we'll get to spiritual gifts probably at some point. Yeah, Romans 12. 12. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we all have a part to play. Uh, what really convicted me on Sunday was your question, your kind of sub point there. Do I daily consider being dead to sin and alive to God? And that really was like, man, do I daily do that? So that was just a, an awesome reminder for me, like to, to live in the reality of the gospel that we are dead to sin and alive yeah. to God because of what Jesus did. Yeah. This fourth point here is the gospel changes everything and we are no longer slaves to sin, but to God. And really pivoting here in the last part of chapter six, talking about what it looks like to live wholeheartedly for Christ. And Jose, you had four C's that were examples of things we could look at to see where is our heart. Uh, we looked, you said calendar, checkbook, concerns, and crowd are the four ways that we can take a look at that. So calendar, checkbook, concerns, and crowd. Uh, for both of y'all, we've kind of touched on a little bit, but how do you notice, maybe what are some ways that you personally, as you walk with God, notice when you're half-hearted or slightly hearted, but not wholehearted? What What is the difference there? And then I think related to that, do you think the people around you notice the same thing and how is the role of community play and just living wholeheartedly for others? I'm going to try to tackle that. Here we go. I think that when I look at my time, my money, um, my concerns, and the people that are around me, those four C's, then I can really see, am I being obedient to God? Am I, you know, a slave to the things of God? Or am I being enslaved by things that are stealing my joy, my mm -hmm. peace, um, you know, my purpose in, in, in God's uh, kingdom? And the cool thing, and we're seeing this now in our community group where we have a, 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 some, some folks that are uh, new to church and new to community group, and they're, they're seeing these things awaken in them and this joy and this peace and um, just enjoyment of being together now that they are following Jesus and now that they're living in this way. So um, personally, I look back before my baptism while I was still figuring things out, and I can tell a big, big difference when I was being held back enslaved to the things of the world versus going all in wholehearted with God. Awesome. Uh, yeah, I think for me, it's, I touched on this a little bit earlier, but I would say that I'm pretty joyful and I don't really, anxiety, all that stuff doesn't really affect me, but that's when I know like, okay, I need to, to really check myself is when fear starts entering into the picture and anxiety and stressors that I normally don't have. And then, yeah, when my joy isn't there. And then I love the, the community aspect. Absolutely. I think the people in my life, it's pretty evident. And so that's the beauty of the family of God that we can come together um, and help push one another to, to get rid of that stuff and, and live in our freedom. Yeah. What about outside the church? Because I know this, uh, all four of these concepts, we look at just this concept of, of grace and how it does change everything in the gospel. How does that impact a city, a community, and oh, just change yeah. from the outside? Yeah, I love the quote at the beginning of the message. I won't get it directly. Um, I forget who it was. It was an author who said that if the message of Romans really lands in our heart, there's no telling what will happen. And that's on an individual um, sense and, and also as a community. If we as a community embrace these truths that Paul is explaining that Jesus lived out, there's no telling what will happen in, in our city, in our country, and ultimately in our world. Yeah, I think we're seeing that some in our church, right? The yeah. People are excited. People that aren't, 
don't know Jesus are coming, the uh, spontaneous baptism that we had on Sunday. So I love what you said, Jose, that the reason all this is happening is because of Jesus. Jesus. And as we keep our focus on him, that stuff's going to continue to happen. So yeah. I, I love it. Yeah. There's no telling what will happen. Yeah. We are underway in Romans. We still got a ways to go. Jose, you want to give us a preview of what we look forward to for next week? Yeah, we turned a corner on this sanctification and we're going to dive deeper um, next week. We'll look at the tension between our flesh and the spirit and why we do the things we know we shouldn't and um, how the gospel helps us bridge that gap. So looking forward to it. Thanks for listening to the Conversations Podcast. Be a part of the conversation by sending questions about the Sunday message directly from ccc.guide or by emailing conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. Looking forward to the next conversation.